Welcome once again to the SEM podcast. Jack and Zach are here once again tonight, and we are joined from the Valley of the Sun. Okay, not maybe not quite the Valley of the Sun, but <laughs> from the land of Arizona, our friend Evan Slade. Evan, how are you, my friend? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. Where exactly are you calling from tonight? So with Santan Valley, um, it's kind of, I grew up in Mesa, but uh, it's south of there, like maybe about 15 minutes away. Um, we are like 45 minutes from Phoenix. Okay. So, so, so like if you were to say I'm in this town or city, what's the town <clears throat> that you're in? So Santan Valley, that's the actual name of the, the city. Oh, so really? we're just right next to Queen Creek. That's the bigger city next to us. So Okay. Very nice. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I understand you've been listening to the podcast and uh, yeah, I even, I even listened to president Frederick today and then a little bit of uh, Drew Allen's. Awesome. So. Love it. Well, good. Then you're familiar with our format. We'll talk mm -hmm. pre-mission and uh, then jump over the mission, talk about life since you've been home, and then uh, we'll go through the mission. So the floor is yours, Evan. Uh, do you mind if I present? Yeah, you can. Absolutely. Not a problem. Um, let's see which window. I think it's the arrow. There you go. So I just want to say, first off, uh, President Fredericks uh, and Sister Fredericks, uh, podcast was so amazing. I love them so much, but, uh, my story doesn't really begin with my mission. Um, <clears throat> this is a, a picture of my great grandparents. They were born and raised in Aberdeen. And, really? Uh, yeah. Um, these are the missionaries that taught them the gospel and they're, they were both from Arizona. Um, and then this is my great grandfather, George, uh, being baptized in the D river. Um, oh my gosh. this is a picture of them and, uh, their family, my, my grandma, her sister, and my great grandma. Oh my gosh. What a, and, what a uh, cool piece of ancestral history right. you got there. That's amazing. So they joined the church in 1932. Um, and it was more so on my grandmother, my great grandmother. She wanted to uh, learn about the gospel. They saw the missionaries and uh, um, she got baptized first. Um, and then my grand great grandfather got married or married baptized the next day. Okay. Um, wow. So, um, and this is my grandma. Um, one cool thing about my great grandparents is that my great grandpa was the branch president in Aberdeen uh, during world war II. And oh then my great-grandmother was the Relief Society president during World War II as well. Um, so George, they, he was a shipwright out in the docks in Aberdeen. And he uh, would go to the pub every once in a while with his friends uh, just to socialize. He didn't drink, obviously. But uh, one night he said, I'm not going to go to the pub. I'm just going to go straight home. Um, the next day, he walked right past that pub. And all of his friends that had gone to, and it was during World War II, and there was a bombing raid, and it blew up that pub. And so, oh my just goodness. amazing, um, faith fulfilling, like um, their hard work protected them. Um, also, during the bombing raids, my great grandmother would go and do these wellness checks on the members of the branch. And so during the raids, the sirens would be going and she'd check every single house to make sure everyone was all right. And if they had any, needed anything. So they, they had a lot of faith. Um, one of the 
things of faith that they decided was um, they wanted their two daughters to marry someone with the priesthood. And at the time, there weren't a lot of members. So they decided we we're going to move to uh, America. And those two missionaries, one of them uh, actually sponsored them. And they moved the my great-grandfather, my gra- grandmother, and my aunt moved to Arizona. And then uh, my, my grandma actually had to stay in Scotland because she was sick. She had pleurisy. They put her in a TB ward of all places. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> you don't want to go there. Anyway, so she got engaged while she was there um, and didn't have any intent to go to Arizona. Well, that man died. And she's like, maybe this is a sign that I need to go to Arizona. Um, she got on a boat and then um, traveled all the way across the U.S. by train and met up with her family in Arizona and uh, saw my, my grandfather. And then they started dating and got married. That's amazing. Um, what a story. One the, yeah. One of the funny things, though, with my great grandfather, since he's a shipwright, he worked on ships and he's in Boston. He was the first one to come over. Um, the the customs guy's like, Hey, where are you going? Um, we're going to Arizona. And he's like, why are you doing that? You're a shipwright. Shouldn't you be out here working in the docks and stuff like that? He's like, he points outside. It's the middle of the winter. He's like, I'm not, that's why all the snow's coming down. I'm going to Arizona to, to beat that. I've, I've done, had enough of this. So <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Wow. Um, what, a, what a cool story. So is that a picture of you with your grandmother down in the corner? There? Yeah. Yeah, so she had all these different trinkets um, from Scotland and um, a family crest. Uh, interesting thing is my my uncle Fred also served in Scotland in the seventies, and then my uh, uh, dad's cousin Bruce also served in Scotland in the seventies, around the same time. And they were never com- companions, but uh, they served around each other. So That's I grew up. I grew up eating like scotch broth. She made the best uh, sausage rolls, uh, shortbread. Um, we had music, all the Scottish literature. If you, if I were to show you a picture to the right of that fireplace, she had a wall of books and a whole section about like uh, British literature, Scottish literature, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, Sir Walter Scott, uh, and Shakespeare and all the classics. Robert Burns. I actually have a, oh, where'd it go? She had this hanging up in her house. It's the Selkirk Grace. Okay. And it's uh, some him eat and can it eat and some would eat that want it. But we him eat and we can eat and say the Lord be thank it. So she had, she had that all over her house. Um, so yeah, it, it, I grew up with all the stories. And uh, when I was five, I told my parents and everyone, I was going to go to Scotland on my mission. And they're like, ever since then, people would tell me, oh, you're not going to go there. You're uh, casting doubt and all that kind of stuff. And and I just, it, it, when I got the call, it was the greatest manifestation that God knew me. And I, I don't know if I could ever replace that. And it was such an amazing experience. Um, but uh I remember listening to Zach Clark and talking about how much he wanted to be a good missionary. So stuff that I did to prepare, uh, I read the book of Mormon maybe about 27 times before the mission. And then I read preach my gospel. And after high school, I 
I would go out with the missionaries and teach. Um, there was one time we were helping out at the Easter pageant in Mesa. Um, and we got this instruction from the mission president um, that everyone's going to be sitting in these lawn chairs. And you don't want to be standing above them and you want to get down to the level and, and teach by kneeling and asking them um, if they knew anyone that we could teach or something like that. So um, I use that later on and I'll get to that story, but um, just lots of opportunity for me to, to learn. Um, I Something about me that's kind of uh, embarrassing, but um, we weren't very wealthy, but as a kid, I chipped my tooth like right here, um, we were in primary and we were, the teacher hadn't gotten there and we were like, Oh, we're, let's play a prank on this teacher. So we hit behind the teacher and, uh, uh, not the, sorry, we hit behind chairs and I pulled the chair back and I chipped my tooth and I had that for probably, uh, 11 years. And I oh looked like Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it kind of, I, it made me a little bit awkward. It made me like not very good at pe- speaking with people, very shy. But I got I had braces and I got it fixed, and that that helped me there. But uh, um, so I, I had to go overcome all those issues. Uh, I, I also wanted to bring up some people that I that helped me prepare for my mission. Um, one of them was his name was Nat Clarkson. He was in my ward, and he. Uh, kind of took me under my his wing and let me work for him. We did uh, stone masonry. We put veneer on walls. And he, he helped me so, out so much to learn a little bit about life before the mission. But uh, one thing he did is he opened up a savings account with me. And he said, whatever you put in there, I'm going to match. So I, I pretty much tried to save everything that I could. Um, and uh, he, he definitely helped us. Um, wow. Another person that was pretty uh, instrumental. And before my mission, his name was Juan Zapata. He, uh, he bought all my missionary uh, clothes, um, my suits. We did a lot of uh, service for him. He, uh, he suffered from, uh, what's it called? Um, I'm trying to remember what it is. I wrote it down. It was viral meningitis or fungal meningitis that was attacking his brain. And so we couldn't, he couldn't get on the ladder to put his uh, Christmas lights up. And so we would go do that for him every year and do uh, yard work. So, um, so when I submitted my papers, I put them in, in around June, 2007. And about two weeks later, um, I got my call. And as, as a kid, uh, I played volleyball mm-hmm. and uh, I coached after that. Um, and so I got my call when I was at practice. So um, I opened my call in front of my sister and my mom. My dad was on a camping trip. Some people just like open in front of family. I just kind of wanted to keep it to myself. And at that time, I didn't think I was going to go to Scotland at all. Um, I, di- I didn't have doubt. I, I didn't even put it on my papers. I just said my grandmother's from Scotland. Um, and I, I had these really strong impressions and dreams that I was going to be serving in Italy or Polynesia. And then the most, like I said, the most amazing thing, um, I opened the call and uh, I read Scotland Edinburgh Mission. It was that testimony building that God and Jesus Christ knew me 
So anyway, um, I'd be going to the MTC in November. Um, about a month before that, I decided I'm, I'm not going to work. Um, I don't want to deal with getting any tickets. I don't want to get hurt because I was having friends that were skateboarding. And they, there's a big hill out near this place called Placendas. And they take these longboards and they just go bomb them. And one kid broke his leg and he's, he couldn't go. And then finally decided, I'm not going to go on a mission. So anyway, I didn't want that to happen to me. So I decided I, I'm done with work. I'm just going to go to the temple every week, um, prepare for my mission, go out with the missionaries and all that kind of stuff. Um, so after the mission, uh, I even talked to President Griffiths about this. Uh, he's, he's like questioning about it, but I, I started a professional flight um, around Arizona and some of Nevada. So this is a flight I took in, to Sedona. It's an interesting flight because it's on a mesa. Um, on the two ends of the runway, it, there's a drop off. So you have to either do a short field, take off and land when you're out there. So I married my wife um, in 2011 in June. Um, we've been married for almost 12, yeah, almost 13 years, 12 years. Um, and we have four kids, uh, Sterling, Sadie, Finley, and Harrison. Sterling named after the place. Family named after my great-grandparents. Um, this is uh, my grandmother's funeral. In 2015, she uh, died of Alzheimer's. And uh, that I did buy a kilt when I was out there, and that's kind of the reason why I bought it is I knew that she'd pass away. I have uh, a picture of myself and with uh, my wife. We didn't take uh, – we took some wedding pictures, but I didn't uh, wear it to, like, any of the receptions or anything like that. But – that's my uncle that served in Scotland and that's my cousin, Bruce. And that's my grandmother's sister, Ella. She actually died of the same illness um, two years ago, three years ago. So um, um, one of the coolest things we got to do a couple of years ago is to go back. It was COVID was ending. Um, we got this notification via um, flights from home. Oh, I guess I forgot something. I, I, I went to ASU and I, I got my aviation management degree from ASU. And then I got an MBA from Washington State uh, a couple years ago. And then uh, I'm currently working for Northrop Grumman. We're supporting the Sentinel program, the replacement for the Miniman 3 missile. It's been a really interesting uh, aspect in our uh, what we're doing. But... Um, and I glossed over another huge uh, thing in my life. Um, my wife and I couldn't have kids. It's very similar to uh, Matt Fissler, but we couldn't have kids for five years. And we had to go through in vitro. And um, what Matt's doing is really cool, doing that foundation. Um, but we uh, had twins at our first, our second round. So we had to do it twice. And then we have to do it twice again for Finley. Um, and then a huge miracle in our life. Harrison was born without any assistance. So, and it was a huge miracle in our life. Um, God does bless us. And in many ways we don't understand, but uh, um, anyway, I, I, I am so grateful for my family and the, the way that Heavenly Father has given us many opportunities to 
receive blessings. Um, let's see, what was I talking about? So we went and took a trip as COVID was ending. Um, we saw a notification from flights from home. It said you could fly to Inverness for $380 round trip. And I was like, oh yeah, we're going. <laughs> Cause that's like what a third of the cost, a quarter of the cost. Yeah. Um, and there was another guy that I was watching on YouTube. His name is Steve Marsh. I don't know if you've watched any of his videos, but mm. he does some of the most amazing videos around Scotland. Like it, it's not like historical, but he does all these like scenic routes around. Um, anyway, so I saw a video of him going to Shetland and I was like, this is amazing. He got on a, the ship in Aberdeen and flew all the way or uh, drove all the way to Shetland on the boat. So I was like, we are doing this. Um, so this is actually my grandmother's house in Aberdeen. It's not this door, but it's on the downstairs. So we got to go to her family home and it was, I want to say it's pretty close to what's it called. I didn't serve in Aberdeen, but I think it's unit street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, cool. uh, and then we went to Dundee. This is the law Hill. And you can see the Firth of Tay out that kind of flows out into the ocean. Carnoustie. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, and this is Shetland. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, uh, in our mission at the time, they didn't have any uh, missionaries up in Shetland, but there's a branch. My wife was so cold. She, <laughs> she had her mask on the whole time. She had uh, a scarf wrapped around her. The wind was so strong. In Shetland, um, and one of the thing, claims to fame there is they don't have any trees that are naturally grown because it's so windy and uh, there's all the salt air. Um, but this is a really cool area. Um, my great grandfather, or not my great, my great 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 grandmother was born in Shetland, and her dad was the laird of Sumbra, which is right where this is. That we the house you can go up to it. And then one day, either him or his dad, there was this big storm and it uncovered this Viking settlement. And you can walk around the settlement and um, see all the artifacts. Wow. So I've got, I've got like uh, distant cousins that still live in Shetland. And we got to uh, this guy, his name was George, but he called, he asked us to call him Pundi or something like that. I, I can't remember, but he, uh, he drove us around with his cousin, Jimmy. And we got to meet their family and uh, have lunch with them. Um, it's such an amazing place. Um, you can actually go up there and there's a place called St. Ninian's Beach. And the low tide will come out and you can walk from one island to the next. Yeah. Pretty cool. And we got to see seals and all that. It was crazy. It's amazing. Um, so when we got back, we went headed straight for St. Andrews. We ate lunch with Sister Maitland from Glenrothes. Uh, just got on the Slicken Bridge, went to Falkirk for the Kelpies, Sterling, Edinburgh Castle, the Mission Home, uh, George Square. And I went and visited the Greenock branch because I served there the longest for seven and a half months. Um, this is uh, Stephen Cox and Jim Bowie. Stephen was in the branch presidency at the time when I was serving there. And uh, now he's the branch president. Hmm. And this is this is his wife, Loriana, and that's uh, 
Sister Heron, Maggie Heron and Sister Murray. One of the coolest places in Greenock um, is up on this. It's called the Lyle Hill. And you can see the Inverclyde as it spits out into the ocean, uh, Danoon across the, bit, the water, and then you can get up to the Isle of Butte. Um, and we ended our trip out at Isle of Skye. And uh, this is called the Old Man of Store. Uh, if you ever go back, that is probably one of the coolest views and places to hike up to. Uh, Aylan Donan. And one of the things that our family used to say is haste you back. Um, and it was just come back. You're a friend to us and all that kind of stuff. So um, before I serve my mission, we all have this like anticipation of like what Scotland is. And then we get, we got to Scotland and we're like, what is this place? Um, just craziness. <laughs> so uh, if, for those that are listening, it says what people think Scotland is like versus what it's actually like. So you have the guy that's in uh, the Piper and Tartan, but then you on the, the picture on the right, it has this guy hanging from a, uh, a light pole. So definitely in Glasgow, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So, um, just we, we flew from Arizona. There was three other missionaries or two other missionaries that were flying to the Preston MTC with me. One was this elder. His name is Elder Payne from Winslow and another elder from Gilbert. I think is Elder Davies. He was going to a different mission, um, but just pictures of the MTC. Um, you'll see Elder or Drew Allen, Elder Rose, Elder Mulford. I can't remember his name because he uh, went to a different mission, but yeah, the Preston Temple as well to the right. I had a pretty good group. Um, we had a lot of, uh, I want to say, top-notch elders in my group. Um, Elder Black, Elder Burnett, Elder Ruscha, um, Elder Rose. I'm trying to think of who else am I missing. Um, I think that's pretty much it. So one thing about when you start your mission, at least when we started, we went up to the um, Arthur seat. Um, there's kind of two stories about that. One's about King Arthur. The other one's about, um, I think it's Orson Pratt that came and dedicated the mission um, on Arthur's scene. So they, the members of the church call it Pratt's Hill. So uh, we would dedicate our missions and then we would close our missions going up Arthur's seat. Um, so I also pulled up Google Earth. I don't know if... Um, Anyone's done this yet? Let's see if I can find it to kind of give an idea of what Scotland is like. So you got the capital. This is uh, Arthur's seat. And you got Calton Hill. And then you have the, the castle is just over here. Um, and you have Princess Street, Royal Mile. Anyway, um, there's five zones in the mission. You have Edinburgh, Glasgow, Paisley, Dundee, and Aberdeen. Um, Aberdeen's the largest because it covers all of this. And then Glasgow and Paisley are probably your more smaller ones. And Edinburgh was pretty big because it covered all of this. And then Glasgow was just this portion. Um, Anyway, um, 
I never served in Edinburgh itself, but I was in the Edinburgh zone at the last little bit. Love okay. Uh, when I came in, um, you just felt so loved by President Frederick and Sister Frederick. And I am so grateful that I was able to be able to serve with them. I went and visited him in February, and that's how I learned about the podcast. Um, I, I called him up. I was like, hey, I'm doing a work trip I'm up in Utah. Um, can I come visit you? And he, he said, yeah, come, come over at this time. Uh, we went to dinner. He took us, took me to a, a family basketball game. Uh, it was West high versus, uh, I can't remember. I know it was East high versus another team. I can't remember the name, hmm. but I met all his family. They were so nice. Uh, one thing about president Frederick is that he talked about this. He loves to learn. Um, we went up to his, um, library or his office upstairs and he had church history books all over the, the room. And he talks about how he, he spent $35 to buy a church history book when for his wedding or something like that. And he, <laughs> he just studies and he also archives. He's doing a lot of family history work. The one thing though, that impressed me huge, crazy. He had all this documentation from the mission and several binders and he said he quizzed me he's like so where were you uh june of this such and such and i was like oh i was in brody ferry and he pulled it up and he's like yep you're you're a brody ferry i was like i want that book when you die or something like that and so um <laughs> but one of the gifts that he gave me was other or president nelson's anthology of all of his talks he collected it all, them all so that when he became prophet, he read them all. Um, and I, I wanted that as well. So he, he let me have that. Um, my, my first companion was um, uh, Elder Justin Van Leuven. Um, and I don't know if you met him, but he is America. And he would he was be so proud of it. He was America. <laughs> and he was just always talking about like him on the farm in Northern California and uh, just, he loved life, loved America. Um, so I, I skipped some stuff for, about present Frederick. There was one thing that was going around about his cayenne and vinegar drink. Did you ever see him drink that? I never, I never I saw heard, him. I've heard that rumor before, but I, right. I didn't and know. I, I never saw him. I asked him and I asked his kids about it. And he's like, yeah, he, we had to, we tried it and we were like, we can't do this. Like he, I don't know how he stomached that, but I think uh, some of the assistants tried it as well. But I can't remember. Um, some of the teachings that President Frederick, um, he uh, always talked about was the funnel. Just keep filling that funnel if people fall out. Um, at least you're still filling that funnel and keep it filled. Um, he had these different levels of heat um, and comparing that to what, who are you? Are you this flickering heat? Or are you this bright blue heat? He, and then he would always talk about explosions. Um, that later on in his um, uh, mission, he talked about agency. We need to use our agency. We need to have faith. Um, 
and that was so important when we need to allow people to use their agency as well, like members and investigators. There was uh, one story from Sister Frederick that she would tell, and this kind of helped me a lot. There was a time in my mission that I was kind of like, I am doing all this work and they're not really seeing much fruit. And one thing that took me back from present Frederick's thing today um, was that he thought he was going to go home. I don't know. I've never heard that before. I, that was crazy. Yeah, like for someone was. so spiritual, I, I would have never thought had doubt about his missionary service. Anyway, so Sister Frederick would talk about um, improving health. But this one story, she came up into a, stone, a zone conference. I think it was in Paisley at the time. Um, she talked about how God has asked you to push this rock. Um, he didn't say where he didn't, he just kind of push on the rock and the, we would be like, Oh, why are we're not going anywhere? And God didn't ask you to push it anywhere. He just said, push the rock and the Jesus Christ placed that rock somewhere. Um, and so that was the, that story It's we're not in, entirely doing things because there, we have a point we're doing it because the Lord wants us to. Um, so like where did, where I, was your, where was your first area, Evan? With Justin? So, so my first area was Cope Ridge. Okay. Um, just outside of Glasgow. I got on the mission and we hit our, he was going to be our, uh, this person was going to be our, uh, uh, first, my first baptism, but it was going to be the goal for the mission is John O'Rourke, uh, 238. He's going to be baptized by this mis- this person. He was in the ward, but he, <laughs> he got chickened out because it was, uh, December and he didn't want to go on the water. Um, so we didn't have anyone small enough to fit in his jumpsuit except for, Elder Elder Lucas. Lucas. <laughs> so Christian got in the water and, and baptized him. <clears throat> um, and then uh, my first appointment was this fa- with with uh, was with this family called the Broadley family, uh, Ainsley, Stephen, and Elaine. Um, their daughter was having a rough time, and she, uh, the parents were like, "Okay, w- maybe we should get the the missionaries over." And we we started teaching them and helped them with their testimonies. They eventually moved, immigrated to the U S um, first in California and then in Utah, I got to go to that wedding. Um, and I got to wear my kilt there. So, uh, awesome. it was pretty amazing. Um, my next baptism was, uh, Karen Ward. She was from Brigton and that was kind of my first experience of a very central Glaswegian, uh, person. And uh, I was like, wow, this is nuts. This is not how my grandmother speaks or anything like that. <laughs> and I didn't have a very hard time with the language, like Scots and uh, the accent, but uh, just Glaswegian was very different for me. <laughs> so when I told you about uh, learning to get down to people's level uh, from the Mason Mission president, there was this uh, Christmas Eve or, uh, oh, sorry, uh, this Christmas Eve or some type of um, event, a Hogmanay. And this was a miracle. I, I don't know how this happened, but this is Sean Mackay. I don't know if you've ever heard about Sean Mackay, but he suffered from schizophrenia. And this is his mom, and she was very nice. And uh, she was at this Hogmanay, very loud, 
um, couldn't really hear her. She couldn't really hear us, but I got down on, onto her level and was talking to her and acknowledging her. And she really took to that and really respected that. And uh, she told Sean that I think I'm ready to learn about the church. And um, if it wasn't for that uh, teaching from that Mason mission president, I don't know what, what would happen. She actually died maybe a few years later, but she joined the church and I think she even went to the temple. Um, That's cool. That's great. So uh, there's a kind of a funny story with Elder Van Leuven. Um, I don't know if this was implemented in your time, but uh, every Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, we could watch movies, right? But it had to be like with the member or there was some stipulation each zone would, would make. Um, and then some missionaries would abuse that. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> and then he's like, hey, we're going to go see this movie. And I was like, oh, where? Uh, oh, at the theater. Um, I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I, I got approval. Um, and I was like, okay. I, my first like three or four weeks in the mission. And uh, I was like, yeah, right. Anyway, he, he was pretty insistent. And I, you won't guess what movie this is, but um, we went and saw Enchanted. I don't <laughs> probably, one, probably one of the lamest movies I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, afterwards, I was like, so this is so dumb. We, we, I couldn't believe that we wasted our time to go see this movie. And, and anyway, but it was nice to get some popcorn, even though I'd only been in the mission for maybe three weeks, four weeks. And I just went to the movies before that. Anyway, it was just kind of lame. No, I got to I got to call out Justin Van Leuven now. You've got to come <laughs> right. on the podcast and defend the reason of right. why he wanted to go to Enchanted. Maybe I mean, he did, was did, a Did he fancy Amy Adams or Patrick Dempsey? <laughs> Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be it. Justin, right. come on the podcast. We want to hear your side <laughs> of that. That's that's amazing. Um so this is the Broadleys right here. Uh, after Elder Van Leuven, I, I was only with them for six weeks. And that's something I wanted to ask you guys about. I trained, but I only trained for six weeks as well, twice. Uh, it, was that kind of an MO? Like, did, like, I don't know of any other missionaries that trained more than six weeks. It may have been I, something in President Frederick's time frame. Okay. Um, I trained Zach for three months. Okay. Yeah, we were together for two transfers. I, there was a couple of instances where um, Greenies would get trained by their trainer for three transfers, but that was there was that was yeah. a very rare, rare thing at right. that point in our our time in the mission. Okay. Well, I expected to be with him for a little bit longer. Um, anyway, so I I became Elder O'Donohue's companion. He's from Milford Haven, uh, Wales. But he, he was born in uh, Greenwich area of, of uh, England, just outside of London. So he grew up in Wales. His family did farming. Really reserved, but really funny. I had a great time with him. He taught me a lot about Wales, Welsh words, um, so on and so on. Um, it was about that time that President Hinckley passed away. And one of the most amazing experiences I had was when President Monson became the prophet. I 
was in the general conference, and I don't know if anyone knows, uh, in Scotland, the the timing of conference is all whacked. Um, we have to watch certain uh, conferences at different times, and on Sunday, we usually have like three or four sessions, or four or five sessions, or something like that. Um, but I knew that President Monson was the prophet. Um, the Spirit spoke to me, and I, I knew that as President Inkley passed away, I was very sad but I knew that the church would be in great hands with President Monson. Um, so, uh, Elder O'Donohue taught me about kebabs and how amazing <laughs> they are. But I, I didn't listen the first time. Um, so I should have let him order first. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to be this cool guy. I'm going to order this really weird kebab. And I ordered it, and it, ha- it was the most disgusting kebab I'd ever seen. And it was big chunks of this red, pinkish meat, and it was gross. And he got the Donner kebab, and I was like, oh, I wanted that one. I don't know what I was doing. And I, I <laughs> felt so sick that we probably had to go home, and I, I probably should have let him lead off. And so next time I had a kebab, I knew what I was doing. Um, <laughs> <we'd>, <laughs> so... Uh, if you go to Scotland, get a kebab, get a munchie box. Um, anyway, um, we met this boy named uh, John Russell. Uh, he he had some learning difficulties. And uh, one thing about the mission, it really got me out of my shell, helped me to teach to each person individually as opposed to this rote thing. In the beginning, I I wrote down everything on my note cards, had sticky notes, I was not a very good teacher until I kind of relaxed. And I'll talk about that later with Elder Harrison. He, he kind of got me out of my, my shell as well. Um, he, he was an interesting person to teach. Um, he couldn't read um, and very slow, but he really enjoyed being with the youth. Um, he then got baptized. And uh, unfortunately, his family was not very keen on the church and uh he stopped going because of the persecution and you talked talked about that like with president frederick the, the people in scotland they're very nice but they have a lot of prejudice against um certain religions and and it's it's crazy to, to have prejudice, a family that, prejudice against things they don't understand right right so mm-hmm. agreed but uh, I really wished he had stayed. He, he had a lot of fun with the youth there. It was a good ward to have uh, youth. Um, sure. So uh, I don't know if you know about Cope Ridge and Airdrie. Their church building is up on a hill, and you have to walk down to get to the train station to get to Cope Ridge. Um, so one day it was church. We we'd, were coming down the hill, and I <clears throat> am on the inside. And Alex is on the outside and we saw these three guys walking up and as they were approaching, um, I was like, great, we've got these non-educated delinquents, um, Neds. And, and I'm just trying to like walk real fast. And one of the guys, as we kind of meet up, uh, he comes down and he looks, it looks like he's adjusting his uh, hoodie comes down and whacks me right in the face. And I'm like, what just happened? And I talked to Elder Donahue. He's like, I asked him, did you see that? He's like, no, I didn't see it. I I was fuming. I was so mad. But 
honestly, we couldn't do anything that they would have got ganged up on us if I had started tried to start a fight or anything like that. But anyway, I, I just kind of let it go. I was like, is this really what it's like? Um, so I think you should count yourself fortunate that you uh, stepped away because we've heard plenty of stories of people standing up for themselves that right. got the wrong end of that. So, I mean, you talk about Elder Black and Elder Harrison, like that's an intense story. So, I, I mean, at least at that, I, I had other things that happened like rocks and water balloons and other stuff like that. Uh, crazy people stalking me at, at a bus stop. Like, I felt like it was a security threat too, because he's like, are you American? This dog hates you. He's going to eat you or something. It was crazy. My goodness. Um, <laughs> That's just, uh, that's just Glasgow. Another day in Glasgow. Right. right. Um, so, Elder O'Donohue and I, we had a lot of fun together. We'd, we'd play pranks. Uh, but some parts of Scotland took care of their towns and some parts didn't. But there were a lot of jobbies all around on the sidewalks. <laughs> um, that's the Scottish term for poop. Um, so, we would be walking along and I would notice a jobby. And I would nudge him so that he would like miss his step and then have to s- step on the jobby. And then he would do it with, to me too. And <laughs> it was just really funny because we'd have this exchange and uh, um, sometimes I would get him really good and then he would get me. And then like, uh, I, it's, it's just really funny what we would do as missionaries. <laughs> um, so I have a couple of shout outs to members. I don't know if this is ever going to get to them, but uh, I really enjoyed working with the Broadleys, the Puries, the Doherty's, the Fife's. Um, Bishop Fife is no longer uh, living. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, but then Sean Mackay. There was one time with Sean Mackay. Excuse me. Um, he had a kind of a episode at the Preston Temple where he had a psychotic um uh, instance where he they took his recommend away and uh he came back and we were scared of him we thought he was gonna like hurt us because there were times when he would drive he would do this with elder van leuven because he'd be talking his ear off and it would upset him and uh we were just walking one day or one night and we noticed that was sean mckay and it looked like he was driving slow like following us and we booked it towards the Broadleys, their house. And uh, we were like frantically knocking on the door and like, let us in, let us in. And, and we're like, Sean McKay's chasing us. And they were laughing and like, uh, uh, it was just nuts. Hmm. So wow. they always like, uh, whenever we go to the Broadleys, they always bring that up. Um, so it was only in uh, Cope Ridge for three months. And uh, I got transferred to Pollock um, and was serving with other Sam Webb. And this is the only picture I have of him. It's so strange. I don't know where all my other pictures. And so just <laughs> this profile of him on the bus in preparation day clothes. So um, he was from Bristol and I thought he sounded like a pirate. And like, I don't know if you ever served with anyone from Bristol. Uh, I served with two people from Bristol and then one person from Wales. So all in that same kind of corner of the UK. Uh, and then uh, let's see, I served with him for six weeks. 
I had a lot of fun with him. We we talked about like bands that like the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, the Who, Pink Floyd, so on, kind of that era of music. Uh, he was really into that. Um, Pollock was a suburb of Glasgow. They had a very nice park, Pollock Park. Um, ton of high flats. Uh, if those give me nightmares, just the smell, the stairs, the the door. Um, just like going up, just, just very dangerous and very unnerving place. Um, Elder Fistler talks about it. Elder Lucas talks about him. Just like being chased by knives down, going down those places. Uh, it's just nuts. Um, we had a place that we, uh, one of the, part of our area was Ibrox and Gubbin. Ibrox was the home of the Glasgow Rangers. Um, so we avoided that every single night. Be, or they had like a football game. I, I we didn't want to go near that, and just we heard the stories, especially with the old firm matches between them and Celtic. Um, Govan was not a very nice place. It was very depressing, and a lot of our uh, appointments were in Govan. <laughs> just uh, the council flats. You just met a lot of people out there. Um, so one of the coolest things, though about that area in Pollock was the Binghams. We had some of the greatest um, senior couples to ever serve with. Um, it was the Binghams. Uh, it's kind of small, but Brother Bingham and or Elder Bingham and Sister Bingham. Very nice, very quiet, very clean. You had to take off your shoes when you got in their house like they do in the UK. But um, anyway, he, he was the master cleaner. He would ha- keep everything spick and span. Um, he would do the flat inspections and he'd be like getting the white glove kind of the thing and make sure that we did it right. And he's like, oh, others, you didn't do this right. <laughs> but he had a toupee. And wearing a toupee in Scotland does not bode well for anybody. So um, it was just funny. Every once in a while, he'd have to like grab his hair from from flying off <laughs> and uh we asked him one time to take it off and it i was like okay put it back <laughs> kind of a thing so we loved them so much he he was so nice he took my kilt back he had a sister or a daughter that uh lived in awatuki which which is like 35 minutes away and uh he took it back for me and uh my parents picked it up from that daughter um but you got the um I'm forgetting some of these names. Brother Simmons, he passed away. Uh, Brother Goddard, and I'm blanking on this other person. So that's this is another picture of the the uh, Binghams. We had our uh, district meetings at their house. Very nice. Mm. Um, after the six weeks with Elder Webb, I was put with Elder uh, Chad Harrison. Um, he'd be a good person to get on the the uh, podcast. Um, I served with him for six weeks and it was his last six weeks. That's another question I wanted to ask you. This happened to me too. My last six weeks was in a only, so I got transferred to Alawa for only six weeks. Um, and did that happen? Did that happen a lot? Like the last transfer, it was a six week transfer transfer. No, I, I, I saw it a lot anyway. <laughs> um, so he's from Albuquerque, New Mexico. He, I think he's actually a lawyer in Nevada now. Uh, so he's been, he's done really good for himself. 
Um, we've got we've got contact with him. He'll be coming on when he okay. has a little more availability. Okay. Well, he, he's a lawyer. <laughs> um, uh, so I definitely felt that he was going somewhere in life, and uh, apparently he did. Um, so we talked about hammer time. I didn't really feel it throughout my mission. If I did, it was probably with Elder Harrison. I, um, the, I compare it to like when the Navy SEALs, they go into Bud's training, and then they had that uh, hell week. I, I, that time with Elder Harrison was fun, but it was hard. I, he didn't beat me down. He just challenged me a ton. Um, and in the beginning, uh, he gave me a public service announcement. He's like, I was talking to President Frederick, and I think we're going to make this transfer intense. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to embrace this. And um, But I think of of anything, I was harder on myself um, because I did not want to let anyone down at home. I didn't want to let President Frederick down. I didn't want Elder Harrison down. And I didn't want to let the Lord down. So um, it was more of like, okay, how do I manage this um, and, and get better to the way that uh, I need to be? Um, so not too long after Chad moved to Pollock, Elder Holland came and visited the mission. I was able to sit in front of, in the front row. Um, you guys talking about the, the splash zone and he was like kind of right here in front of me. And it was the most intense feeling that I've ever felt. Um, it wasn't like a grilling, but it was more of like, this is, um, an apostle of the Lord that's calling you out to be better. And it was probably one of the main, most ex- amazing sp- experience I had with an apostle. Um, he gave his uh, speech about salvation is not a cheap experience. And he's like, welcome to the work of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Um, so sure. just a lot of faith building so far until Chad heard that there were bikes. So we, zone conference ended uh, and he heard about bikes excuse me, uh, available in the Paley zone. And he requested them. And I'm like, are you kidding? You want bikes here? This is the worst place to have bikes. Like in Glasgow, crazy drivers, the the potholes, the roundabouts. Uh, And so he requested them. Elder Peckham and Elder Frayner were in Irvine and they drove uh, 20 miles from, uh, Irvin on the bikes and they got to our flat and they were dead tired. They wanted to sleep, but they had to get on a a train back because they, because they didn't have any way to get home and they were, they're falling asleep. Wait, they rode Um, bikes from Irvin to Pollock. Yeah. So they had to go through. Yeah. I don't know what the route was, but they decided to make it an event anyway. Uh, it, I think it took the whole preparation day. So they didn't even get groceries. They didn't even uh, do all their stuff they needed to do. So who knows what they did the next day. Um, I, from the beginning, like I said, it was bad news. Uh, one time we were going down a hill. Uh, another reason why not to have bikes. I pulled on the wrong brake and to slow down. And I was not stopping. And I started to flip. And I landed. And I crashed and I, I, cause things were so intense. I got right back up 
And Elder Harrison's like, stop, stop, stop. Let's check you. And I ripped my, my shirt and everything. He's like, are you okay? Do you have anything broken? And I was like, who are you? You were just intense with me. You just yelled at me like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Telling me we got to hurry. And I was like taken aback um, and uh, kind of felt that like love there and knew that he wasn't really trying to injure me uh, in any other aspect of being his companion. So at that point, I was like, okay, let's take a break. Um, uh, we kept riding. Another time with those bikes, we were in Gubbin and uh, I was leading. Things were intense. We had to get somewhere. Um, I saw a group of Neds to my left and they were kind of coming perpendicular. And so I was like, okay, let's, I'm going to beat them. And I'm thinking Chad's following me really closely. So I'm, I'm gone. Um, and, and, and I thought he was behind me and I look back and I'm probably about two football fields away and he is angry and he is riding really fast and looking at me and he's like, why did you not stop? And he tells me what happened. The Neds caught up to him, pulled him off his bike and was like, where are you going? Where are you going? And one of them was going to give him a Glasgow kiss. And he pulls him in close and Elder Harrison puts his helmet down and the guy smashes his face on his helmet. He's like, oh, you're right, mate. And he got on his bike and was starting to run <laughs> uh, right away. And I was like, are you kidding? I did not see that. I thought you were right behind me. I saw them and I thought you saw them. And I just, I just booked it. I knew this was going to be trouble. And so, uh, thankfully he forgave me really quickly about that. And we kind of moved on. Uh, that's, that's quick thinking though. Like you got your helmet on. I know. <laughs> I mean, wow. take one to the face or right, right. take one to the helmet. That's, right, that was right. pretty, pretty smooth on his part. So one of the coolest things we got to do on the bikes though, is they had a lot of trails in the Pollock park. So that's him on the bike there. Um, we got to go where these Highland coups are. Um, and then uh, we drove through these trails to get to the um, district meetings at the Binghams. And it was a lot of fun. Um, even though I hated the bikes, it was kind of a, a cool experience. We both bought kilts in Paisley. There's a place called the Houston's in Paisley. And I bought a couple different coats and waistcoats. And I have them in the background, but it's uh, this crazy uh, raccoon sporin. And then uh, the um, the tartan that I have is Bruce, because my family were Bruce's in uh, mm. Shetland. Um, cool. So, and I I got a love for tartan when I was there, obviously, but I have about four hundred dollars worth of tartan. <laughs> so people collect coins. I collect tartan ties. Nothing wrong with that. Nice. So um, people that we knew pretty well in uh, the Pollock ward were the McKechnies, Bells, Donalds, um, Goddards, and then Brother Simmons, and then Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming was like the first stake president in Glasgow. And then I, I, for some reason he was in the Paisley stake about after that. Um, interesting thing about the bells. It, I think it's funny, ironic. Um, Brother bell married someone and her name was Isabella. And so when she married him, she took his name and it became a question. 
Isabella Bell. And so I always thought that was funny. Anyway, pretty dumb dad joke. <laughs> so um, after that, I was called to train um, in Broadway Ferry. So whitewash train. So Elder Harrison was leaving. He went home. And I was like, wow, this is bizarre. I've never, I haven't heard the, about this, but um, I'm going to open a new, uh, uh, not open, I'm going to whitewash this area and, and train as well. Um, and Elder Harrison was like, okay, I was really intense with you. And I don't want you to be that intense with this missionary. Um, so anyway, I tried to use that advice as much as I could, but uh, things kind of went downhill after starting with with other with Johnson. This was Wesley Johnson. He's from Charlotte, North Carolina. Very, very green. Um, There was a different, like I said, different level of intensity. Some of the other missionaries talked about it. You had to be a little bit more strict, help them understand the mission, uh, get to know what to do, fill out the area book, um, be very obedient make sure you're you're doing everything right so that you're not missing anything because we were going to be blessed if we did everything that the our leaders told us to do and everything from the white handbook and ever going out from 10 a.m to 9 p.m you'll be blessed um <clears throat> so i wish every time you trained you had a dossier about each person that you trained just to know about them, what, what their capabilities are, what their habits are, what, what like, anyway, <laughs> I wish we had that. It's just, it wasn't available, but, uh, so working with other Johnson kind of threw me for a loop. Um, cause I wanted to do well, I wanted to be a strong missionary and to show that I could keep up with everyone else. He was very nice. Members loved him so much. Um, he had a lot to offer. And I don't think he realized it. Um, so Roddy Ferry was probably one of my favorite areas, um, if not my favorite area to serve in. I was there the second longest. I was there for six months. Uh, I was going from Glasgow to this posh, really posh area and in, in just outside of Dundee um, to very vanilla Roddy Ferry, no craziness. Um, it was a huge start change. Uh, we lived one street from the Esplanade, so that's the street that abuts the the beach. We were one street over on Castle Street, and Broadie nice. Castle was just this castle right here was just down the street, walking distance. It was free. We went up there all the time. Um, huh. it, one of the interesting points about this is it's a uh, one of the last fortifications um, to be used in war. I think. Um, it, it protected the Firth of Tay, um, that opening. Um, they called them Firths in Scotland um, for U-boats and other aircraft. They have like um, anti-aircraft memorabilia there. Um, and then I, I received a letter from my grandmother mentioning one time that growing up, she and her family would go on holiday to Broadway Beach. Um, Dundee is probably the sunniest place in Scotland. Um, I don't know why just the weather gets vectored differently. Um, and so people would go on holiday down to Brody beach and she showed me pictures. Um, so, uh, let's see. 
Well, whitewash tra training, I, I learned a lot about developing an area. I knew that we had such a huge opportunity to see miracles. And it, there was a lot of expectation. I was trying to tell Alder Johnson, like, hey, we've got we've been in here for two weeks. Let's start kind of getting our nose to the grindstone. Let's showing our um, what our efforts doing. We had a lot of strikeouts until one day I was like, okay, one of the tactics we use is to go into the area book and look at our old um, contacts. Um, the record keeping was important. Um, the even though in that record keeping it wasn't great, we found this this diamond in the rough, and it was his name was Rusty and Vera. Oh, their name was Rusty and Vera. Um, they were from Zimbabwe uh, as refugees. I don't know if you know about the whole dynamic there. The Zimbabwean or Zimbabweans, whatever they call them, um, they were persecuting whites, and so a lot of people had to flee, and they were refugees to the UK. Hmm. And so we called them and asked if we could come and teach them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They agreed. And in that meeting, I, I said, let's set a date. Um, they lived in Carnoustie, a really cool place, really cool golf course, a lot of um, good scenery. And uh, some some of my most cathartic moments were walking down that Esplanade in, in Carnoustie. Uh, Rusty and Vera, <clears throat> along with their daughter, um, were being taught, but Vera was another challenge. She was deaf, and I don't think she knew anything about like British Sign Language, nor did I. I took sign language in high school for only one reason, and that was the girl to guy ratio was like one to eight. So, <laughs> I was like, uh, my intention of learning sign language was not in the right place. So, but thankfully, she could lip read. Um, but it wasn't very good because the way that Americans enunciate is different from the way people speak in the UK and in South Africa or Zimbabwe. So we would teach lessons using notepads uh, and videos and pictures. Uh, on our first lesson, I had Wesley uh, invite them, and then they we set a date for three weeks later. Um, oops. Uh, unfortunately, Rusty and Vera didn't make that date. So we had to push the baptism. And uh, while all this was going on, um, we started teaching this other lady named Donna. She was a heavy alcoholic. <laughs> we always had another priest to hold her with us at that appointment, um, except for this one time. We had an appointment with Donna, and we couldn't get a priest to hold her to come with us. Donna also lived in Carnoustie. We arrived at Donna's house and knocked on the door. And I did not have a good feeling. <laughs> and you could just feel this presence there. And it was awful. Um, Donna came to the door. She was wearing a loose robe and smoked, smelled like alcohol. And she said, come in, others, um, kind of very nonchalantly. And I walked toward the living room. I saw it and because the door is like in her living room. And I was like, um, let's not. We're going to stay right here. Donna noticed that we weren't following and she made another attempt to say, Hey, come on. And I was like, no, we're going to stay right here. She looked at Wesley with this dead stare and with this low creepy voice. And she said, Wesley, come in. And she did this three times and other Johnson was freaked out. He was like shaking, like didn't know what to do. Uh, I told Donna we would, could do another lesson another time. She's like, no, like, 
Uh, and then I was like, okay, well, let's do this at this doorstep. She reluctantly sat down at the ease of her door and we shared her message. I, I probably just read a couple of scriptures. Um, she ca- got tired of sit- sitting and stood up too quickly. Uh, and then she was still like losing her balance because she wasn't sober and fell backwards and her robe opened up. And we were like, so shocked. And Elder Johnson froze. And I was like, I grabbed him and we left. I was like, Don, I'm sorry, we gotta go. Um, we might not be back for a while. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, that next week we were on exchanges with the zone leaders and uh, Elder Johnson stayed in our area. And I went to the zone uh, in Dundee where this, uh, I think it was Elder Van Leuven was. So I went back with him. Anyway, uh, he caught up with them. He was on the bus with Elder Dimmer Ashton. And he they're in Carnoustie. And all of a sudden, here comes Donna. And she's walking towards him. And he's trying to like duck down. And she's like, she turns and taps to him on the shoulder. And she's like, hey, Elder John- Johnson, how are you? And he's like, uh, like, I don't know <laughs> what to say. And she, uh, she's like, I'm sorry about what happened. Uh, can I come to church or can I still come to church? And he's like, yes. <laughs> so just kind of like funny. Um, wow. Don't have too many experiences like that. Or maybe you do. So. Thankfully, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Um, let's see. Uh, another miracle that happened um, was that we were going to see all these less actives, and one of them was kind of down the street in Brody Ferry. Um, her her name was Sister Ogilvy. Uh, when Wesley and I got to the door, we were shocked. We we knocked on the door, and she she was shocked to see us. And she had been saying, I've been praying for someone to come to or call me. Um, she didn't have anyone's number from the ward or, or our number. She then tells us about her sister that was in the hospital that had a collapsed lung um, and was in like dire straits to survive. Um, I want to say that her sister was dealing with like a drug habit and overdosed. Um, and then for some reason, like she was luckily taken to the hospital. Well, Sister Ogilvy asked if we could go give her a blessing. Um, before we said we could go, I, I called the zone leaders because it was out out of our area. And I said, hey, uh, can we go give this sister a blessing? And uh, they're like, yeah, go ahead. And uh, anyway, we get in her car. We drive to the hospital. And I want to say that... Um, um, probably one of the first times that Wesley had ever given a blessing. So I told him that he would anoint and I would seal the anointing. Adam can consult the white book as we were driving. And uh, then we finally got to that sister's room. Um, we found her with this plastic bubble around her head um, to kind of keep that pressure in her, her lungs. Um, thankfully this bubble had like this porthole that we could at least get a hand and touch her head. So I had Elder West or Elder Johnson put a dab of oil on his finger and put it on her head and um, anoint her. And then I, I, 
I couldn't have him. I couldn't go in there myself. I had to wait for him to be done and he couldn't go in with me. So she's like looking at us, like what is going on? Um, I told her beforehand what we were doing. And then I, I placed my hand on her head and gave her a blessing. Um, and then I, I said like, uh, bless her that God knew her, loved her. And that I pronounced the blessing that she could be able to make a full recovery upon her faith in Jesus Christ. And then we left. Um, we had a weekly meeting with sister Ogilvy after that. She later mentioned that her sister was fully recovered within days uh, from a collapsed lung. So just pretty amazing. Uh, wow. Just weird situation. Never had a blessing like that in the past, any like that after that. So wow, it's a miracle. So what I didn't know what was happening though with why Elder Johnson was going on exchanges with the zone leaders. Um, it was at like a interview with President Frederick and he pulled me into his office or where we were at and told me that he was struggling. Wesley was struggling and wanted to go home. And there were times that he was calling president after I'd gone to bed. And I was probably so stunned by this revelation that when it hit me, I felt it, it was worse than that Ned that hit me in the face. Firstly, because I didn't know how to comprehend um, what was what was going on, if it was something that I had done, or secondly, like Zach Clark, um, he said in his podcast, he wanted to be a missionary so bad. And I wanted to be a missionary so bad that I couldn't understand why someone would want to lead this, this people, the, the beauty, the, the hard work, the Lord's love, the mantle of a missionary, and my heritage, heritage and so on. After this, I tried harder to help Leslie without him catching on that I knew he wanted to go home. And this was kind of per President Frederick's request. And I, I wanted him to stay so bad because I knew there was more to that mission. But um, later on, <clears throat> I, I, th I thought things were going well. So uh, at Wesley's vote first zone conference, we got a call from Bishop Ian Snee. I don't know if you know him. but. Uh, he, he, by the way, the, the Snee family and the Sweeney family were so loving and hilarious. Um, so Ian Snee and his son, um, Craig, married Dominique Sweeney. Um, Dominique Sweeney had a, a brother that was serving his mission in Arizona at the time as well. So when I got home, I got to meet up with him, have lunch. Anyway. That's awesome. So Bishop Snee calls us. Um, and says he met with um, Rusty right here and his wife, Vera, and their daughter. And she didn't get baptized because I don't think she was eight yet. But uh, he, Bishop Snee says, hey, I talked to them, and I think they're ready to be baptized. And they're going to be baptized this Saturday. And Wesley was so excited. And we were, like, praying for this miracle for Wesley to stay. Um, we let him baptize um, uh, Rusty. And I can't remember if it was Rusty or Vera. Um, we'd hope that it, this would encourage Wesley to stay, but unfortunately he still wanted to go home. So an, another person we started teaching was uh, Dominique Snee's brother-in-law, James. Um, I don't think we we're the first missionary um, missionaries to teach him. We started off really well, but there were times that he would be aloof and we couldn't figure out why. I confronted him about it. He admitted to us that every time we came over, there was a football match 
and he couldn't focus on the lesson. I guess football is life. <laughs> it's religion. And went, right. And he's from Nigeria. So like he would, he was really cool. He would draw all these pictures. I think I have some of his drawings, hmm. um, but uh, we tried so hard. I wanted to make it happen for him uh, mainly because of the connection that I was making with the the sneeze and the, the Sweeney's, but we would take him and play football and, and volleyball and we became good friends. Um, so, but fortunately he became baptized later on a, a few tra transfers after that um, with a, another Arizonan. Um, I can't remember his name, but um, he baptized him. Uh, we had, we had another moves call uh, and I was being told that uh, I would be adding another missionary. And so in my mind, there was that indication that Wesley was going home. So, but president said, you, you're going to be serving with someone you've already served with. And I was like, uh, that's weird. Um, so it was Alex O'Donohue. We became companions again. <laughs> hmm. um, and so let's see, where did I leave off? Uh, I was so pumped. Um, and then uh, president says, oh, we're calling you to be a district leader as well over the Perth missionaries and the Montrose senior couple. Uh, it was other and sister man wearing. They're so nice. We, like I said, we had some of the greatest uh, senior couples. Um, maybe three days after that, Alec, uh, after Alex came in the companionship, Wesley called president and said, Hey, I'm going home. And we, we tried hard, but he went home after six weeks. Uh, which was kind of a bummer because we had the the tattoo right before, uh, right after he left. <laughs> so oh, man. the president, president Frederick was like, no, you're not going to the tattoo. <laughs> so um, for anyone that doesn't know what the tattoo um, is, it's not really a tattoo, like anything like, but they're what tattoo really is, is like tapping. Um, when like the old days, they would tap a razor blade with ink on it. So the tapping is like a drum. So the Edinburgh military tattoo, they have this event where they build stanchions on the esplanade of the, the castle. And uh, that was our kind of cultural event that we would go to and they'd have pipe bands. They have other bands that would come from different parts of the world, dancers. And the best moment is when they drop the, the gate or lift the gate and the pipers come out and they, they make their, first entrance and they have projections on the castle on um, the second time that we went it was like 200 years since robert burns had passed away or something like that they were doing an anniversary so it was really cool mm, that's cool so we wanted to go to it on our trip but covid was still having an issue and they canceled it we had already bought tickets and um they actually had to refund us um i'm wearing this uh drum major's outfit Brother David Harkness was a drum major for the RAF Lukers pipe band, and he let me put it on. Um, he had done the tattoo several times, and he went to Basel, Switzerland, to go and do the tattoos there. Um, the cool. coolest things about um, that day is that it's a, an all-day event because we they let us go down on the Fringe Festival on the Royal Mile, just kind of see everything. Um, I learned a lot about new, the missionaries, like. Patel doing Warhammer 
I don't think he talked about that, but he was telling us all about it. We went to this store that had Warhammer everywhere. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, the show really doesn't start until like 930 at night. So, and we would get done about 1030, 11 o'clock. And it, this would be like day one of preparation day. And then the next day we had day two of preparation day and we could sleep in. And uh, we'd all play football and go get our messages, which were groceries, um, so on and so on. <clears throat> um, but the French festival is cool because you got a lot of people watching, all the crazy performers. Anyway, mm -hmm. so Brody Ferry, it's part of the Bingham Ward. Uh, there are probably three sets of elders, one set of sisters. Um, we would take this one elder or one 16 year old priest out on joint teaches. And this is a story about Elder Bauckham and uh, Elder Fissler as zone leaders. Uh, well, this particular day, we worked it out with the zone leaders that we could take this priest with us on joint teaches. And they would drive him to our area to go on the joint teach for, for our appointment after they had taken him out. Zone leaders at the time were Chad Bauckham, Matt Fussler. I, I'm reading. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't good. know by rote. Anyway, so uh, Chad drove, um, as was spoken in his podcast, he drove a lot. Matt let his the priest sit in shotgun on the way out to, the, to our area. And we finally meet up with them. The priest gets out, and Matt goes and sits in the front passenger seat. Everything was dandying until I got a phone call. Um, I looked at the phone and it was the Dundee zone leaders. And I was like, oh, what's going on? So I answered and, and Matt says, hey, I think, I'm not going to say his name, but the priest peed his pants and it's all over the front seat. He then <laughs> asked me, <laughs> he then asked me to discreetly check to see if the priest's pants were wet. And so I did. And lo and behold, his leg was so damp and he was shaking the pee off of his shoe. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I told Matt that, that he uh, uh, that he was. And uh, Matt, he's like, oh, man, are you serious? Well, Chad was dying in laughter in the car. And I could hear him uh, on the phone. I was like, oh, my gosh, this really happened. And so I'm, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I think we took him with us. While well, he was like, pants are drying as we're walking. And I was like, how is this going to go when he's sitting on this person's seat? Um, I, I really hope that our lesson like backed out so that he didn't have to sit down on their couch or something like that anyway. So <laughs> I, I think about that all the time. Um, so Th Things you never thought you'd experience. Right, right. <laughs> Prepares you for kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so um as a district leader this is my, my district i i'm blanking on this other's name um but this is uh other humphreys whom you've talked about in the past uh the man wearings <laughs> and other bacham and other fistler this is the slick and bridge in uh st andrews um so at this time uh it was about november of 2008 we had moves call and I was like, okay, well, I'm a, I've been in Brody Ferry for about four and a half months, and I thought I was going to be moving, uh, but that wasn't the case. Alex uh, moved, and I can't remember where he went, but uh, I was told that I'd be training again. 
was I was so shocked because of how things went with my first greenie. Um, and I just felt so loved and thought that I could have another chance to, to train and elder Lewis, he's a good missionary and a good person. Um, he didn't really talk much about my time serving with him. I'll talk a little bit about him, but, um, uh, I trained elder Christopher Lewis from Bristol, England. When Chris came on the podcast, I felt like, like, uh, so proud of him. I, I was glad to hear all the good things that were happening to him. Um, so he was one of those elders that you could easily be jealous of. He was, uh, <laughs> he was, he was attractive. He was well-spoken. He, he, uh, uh, very, uh, attention grabbing. Um, he was very posh. Many, many of the members loved him. So, uh, I kind of was a little jealous of him, but uh, I, I'm grateful that we were companions. So I didn't want to blow it with him because of what happened in the past. Uh, Chris mentioned that I really wanted to do well. And there was this bit of anxiety of training and being a district leader to perform well. Um, so I, I wanted to make sure that he knew what it meant to be a, a Scotland Edinburgh mission missionary. And so I may have been a little hard, but I, I wanted to make sure that he was he was doing well. Um, Chris talked about his relationship with the British Sign Language. He got to use it a lot in our area, and I wish he had talked more about that. But uh, it came in pretty handy. We had several lessons that were um, in British Sign Language. Um, so <clears throat> I was still probably like um, I, I had a lot of fun with him. We had pulled pranks on each other. One of the ones that I pulled on him was that <laughs> later on in the year, it, we had some snow and uh, we had a flat that was two levels. And on that second level, we had a window and there was a ledge and snow would pile up. Uh, in our bedroom, we had a mirror and uh, Chris liked to go downstairs with just a towel. And then he would come back upstairs with a towel. And so, I grabbed a few snowballs um, and put them on the ledge and the window was open and he comes back upstairs after a shower, just a little bit damp. Um, and he's like, why is the window open? And I guess I said, because I was hot and I needed to cool off <laughs> and then asked if I, I could, then he asked if I could close the window in my head. I was like, no problem. Uh, I waited till his back was turned. I grabbed a snowball and uh, turned and pelted him in the back. Um, and <laughs> he was like, Oh, like, anyway, Cookie ran downstairs laughing. And that day he tried to get me back, um, by cracking the door open a little bit. And he put like this glass or, a, a, a cup with water. And he's like, elder Slade, I forgot my pen upstairs. Can you get it? I was like, okay. Like, why can't you get it? And so I go upstairs and I saw the door open and I was like thinking, okay, well, he's going to try to get me back. So I push it open and he heard the water fall and he started laughing and I, I knew it was a prank. And so I saw the water fall and the water got all over the floor. I was like, Hey, you got the water wet. And uh, <laughs> so um, anyway, he, he tried to get me back, but it didn't happen. So anyway, <laughs> I, 
I love Brother uh, Lewis. He was a good missionary. Um, grateful for his service, and uh, he taught me a lot. Um, this is the zone of the district. Elder Hemer, Elder Bakum, Elder Patel. Um, these are the Sweeney's. Oh, sorry, Sweeney, Dominic Snee. Um, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, that's Dominic's sister. And then just a lot of cool members like the Mays. Um, and so uh, the Grants, the Fives, the Fives were so great. Um, they were in a picture earlier on. Let's see if I can find them. This is Cyril Fife and his wife, Sister Fife. She made the best meals. Um, I didn't have uh, Brussels sprouts a lot, but when we went to her house, it tasted like butter. Like it was amazing. Like um, she would keep the plates warm in the oven until we got there and pulled them out. The plates were like hot, and so it would keep our food warm. Um, we had haggis maybe with them. Um, we never had mince and tatties. That was kind of a, a, a normal meal. She would take it up a notch and have like five courses. So we'd have soup and bread, um, then a main course. Then we'd have like, uh, a, not a second course, but like uh, just crazy amounts of food. And then we'd have a dessert. So, wow. Um, and then we had Brother Douglas. We went to his house once and had uh, Cludy Dumpling. I don't know if you've ever, ha ever had that. Um, mm -hmm. Just a really cool dessert. It's it's like a pudding, but they put a a piece of a coin in there, and if you got that piece of coin, you were like, I guess you had good luck that year, something like that. It was a pretty cool tradition. Um, <clears throat> we had the Harknesses, the Hands, and the Days. Um, very great ward to be a part of. Um, let's see. Um, after six months, I was called to go and open an area. It was Greenick. Um, I don't know if it was open during the time that you guys were there. Um, for a time, it was closed. And not a lot was happening. It was a branch of maybe like five families. Um, and I started, to, I started this with Elder Webb from Colorado. <clears throat> this was Tyler's last so his first name is Tyler. Uh, it was his last six weeks. Uh, I was a little sad to leave Buddy Ferry and the Dundee Bingham Ward just be right before Christmas. I felt like the missionaries were treated exceptionally well during Christmas, like presents and getting to go see movies at their houses. Um, left one of the most active wards in the mission to go to a branch, like I said, with five families. Chad Bauckham, he was my zone leader at the time. He's time I had a conversation with him uh, before I went that he told me that he was a little jealous that I was going out there because of like the potential. Um, and I've talked to him about that in the past, but it's such a dynamic area. Uh, it's pretty large that uh, covered Port Glasgow, Greenock, Gurick, the new Largs and the Isle of Butte. Our area, if I could pull up the, uh, um, Google Maps. Here's Greenock. Um, here's Danoon, Isle of Butte. So you had to take a ferry to, to, to get to Danoon, and you had to take a ferry from Weems Bay to get to Isle of Butte. We had a couple members that lived here. Our branch president lived in Danoon, and we had to go over there every once, like once or twice a week. Um, and then hmm. Largs is down here. So that there was a bus that would go all the way. We didn't have too many members in Largs. And we had no port, but there weren't anyone on that uh, um, island. 
anyway, uh, we didn't have a flat and we had to stay with the zone leaders in Irvine. That's about an hour and um, a half train ride every day from uh, Irvine to Greenick. So we'd have to go to Paisley and then we have to go from Paisley to Greenick. And our zone leaders at the time were Elder <coughs> Sean Waite and Elder Chris Lee. Um, not my favorite time to be in a flat with two other missionaries because <laughs> we uh, were constantly in, e in each other's business, um, not very conducive for either companionship, um, <laughs> too much ego on one roof. <laughs> so it's just crazy. Uh, so, and then I think, uh, Tyler was pretty excited for the prospect of going home. And so it, it was getting tough. Um, anyway, after two weeks of doing that, of community from Irvin to Greenick, we finally got a flat in a really posh area of Greenick. It was right in front of a lawn bowls pitch. Uh, we would watch them on Saturdays during our morning study. Uh, just a bunch of old people rolling these balls. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, I was like, maybe one day I'll, I'll take that up as a, a geriatric or something like that. Um, since we were there for Christmas, we watched a couple movies, including like Jimmy Stewart double feature, like uh, It's a Wonderful Life and Mr. Kruger's Christmas. They had a little uh, TV with a VCR in, embedded in the, the TV that we could watch those two movies at the church building. Um, president Kane, he was our, our branch president. Um, and we were like, hey, we wanted to watch this movie with you. Uh, and Tyler and I's pick was uh, The Dark Knight. It had just come out that summer. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was the, the sequel to Batman Begins. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, I can't remember if it was during the movie or after the movie. Uh, President Kane, he's kind of an older gentleman. His wife was a staunch. Um, she grew up Church of Scotland, very staunch, like very nose to the grindstone kind of a person. Uh, well, they, they're watching it with us and they're like, I don't know if this is a wise choice for the, uh, to watch with us or with the missionaries. And so like just really funny experience with them. Um, <laughs> very intense movie. Like why so serious? Anyway. <laughs> You took you uh, took the words right out of my mind. Right, right. <clears throat> um, so we served together for six weeks, and then uh, he went home, and then uh, Jeffrey Scott became my companion. Um, but I wanted to point out this picture right here. I showed it to you earlier. This is that Lyle Hill. Um, I like to show people what I looked like beforehand, and I want to say my camera is horrible. I bought this like uh, Kodiak camera or Kodak camera that had a big screen, terrible lens. Like it was so bad. Everything was fuzzy. Everyone had clear um, uh, a shot and mine was always like blurry. Maybe it was just me. I was moving a lot or something. Um, so <laughs> the, this was my favorite view of Greenick. Um, so uh, other Jeffrey Scott, he was my companion the longest. He, I was with him for six months. And he was from wow. West Jordan, Utah. I bumped into him in, at, in Brigham City. I used to live in Utah, like uh, in Clinton and Eagle Mountain. Um, 
And then when we were up there, we bumped into him at that uh, Pioneer Day celebration. Uh, it was great to see him. Trevor Scott is a man of a few words. Um, I don't think I had one argument with him. He was great to serve with. And then <laughs> there were... <laughs> He'd always do this thing while we get on a bus or a train. He was prone to fall asleep. Um, any train or ferry or whatever. And I've got several pictures of him falling asleep. I, I don't know if I have a picture of him. He would always fall asleep. Um, so we got we had an appointment and we were up in Port Glasgow. The the bu bus was kind of driving uphill and uh, came to our stop and I pushed the button. And I, I nudged him, I, I think, um, and I said, Here, here's our stop. And well, I got up and thought he was following me. I, I, I guess I have a problem with going in the leaves, thinking <laughs> that companions are behind me. Anyway, uh, I turned to say something after I got off the bus, and I noticed that he's not there. Um, and I'm like panicking, where is he? And I see him as the the bus is driving away, and I'm like pounding, like wake up! And he gets, he doesn't wake up. It doesn't work. Um, the bus oh is going, and I'm like thinking, where is this bus going? I have no idea. It could be going all the way to Largs, which is on the opposite end of our our area, and it's a pretty big area. Um, so I was running after the bus in church shoes on wet like sidewalk slipping and all that kind of stuff. Um, thankfully I see the bus turn. And so I make a beeline towards that bus and he gets off and I'm like, what were you thinking? Why, why did you not get off the bus? You're never going to fall asleep on the bus again. Uh, <laughs> that never happened. He always fell asleep and I just kind of made sure that I bumped him hard enough. Um, and I was just glad that he got off the bus because I had the phone and like, I don't know what he would have done when he found out that he wasn't at the right spot that he should have been. Man. So, <laughs> um, shortly after I became, or Elder Scott became my companion, I was called to be in the branch presidency as a counselor in the with President Kane. And this is our presidency right here. Uh, President Kane, uh, Stephen Cox, and then myself. He was the first counselor. I was the second counselor. And then I think other Scott was the executive secretary. I can't remember, but uh, hmm. that was such an amazing experience. I took it for granted in the beginning. And I was thinking very selfishly, I'm going to be here for a really long time. And um, it was so hard to be a missionary and a branch and in a branch presidency. Um, because there was a lot of work that needed to be done in Greenwich and you could feel that pressure from the zone leaders, the district leaders. And then you had this pressure of being in the branch presidency of like this really small branch. Uh, at one point, this branch was a ward of maybe a hundred people because there was a, in the Holy lock, there was a Naval base, U S Naval base. There were a lot of people that would come and that's why that branch was formed to help and support that the people that were over there. And so there was a lot of work, um, especially when we opened the area <clears throat> and it was multi-rolled. I felt, like I said, caught in two worlds. 
Um, but I saw so many miracles in Greenock. One of the miracles was Brian and Maggie Heron. And I showed you earlier a picture of them. But um, Jeffrey and I were building our teaching pool, and all we knew the best way was to work with the members. We needed to build the pool of members as well, given the fact that we were in the branch presidency. So we were looking at the branch roster for lesser active members, and then uh, we got to this point where we were like, okay, let's go see the herons. I remember many of President Frederick's lessons uh, about being direct, get rid of generalities, like a generality be the reason why I'm here is um, get straight to the point. Um, I was pretty direct with the herons. I said that there were very few people attending the Greenick branch and the Lord loved them and he needs them at church. And I invited them to attend the next Sunday. They came to church and within a couple more weeks of attendance, Brian was called to be the high priest group leader and Maggie was called to be the Relief Society president. And ever since then, they have done so much. Um, I I was just so glad that uh, they they kind of realized that um, the reason why the branch had been dwindling is may have, maybe it was because of them. And uh, not to put any shame or anything like that on anyone, they just kind of took it personal. And it was kind of at this point where I was like, okay, I need to make every single moment personal like that. Like it's only me and my companion. We are serving in this area. There's no one else in this world of 7 billion people that is doing this work for this area. I am the only person with my companion or I'm the only person standing between Satan and these people. And I take that as my motivation at any calling or effort um, and serving in my family and all that. So anyway, I was so grateful for the Herons to take up that charge to go back to church. Um, it was at that time that we started doing monthly branch activities. So we had burnt supper. We had a Western night. We had a maybe a disco. Um, and then they kept just coming. Brian would come and play his guitar. And even, uh, I want to say he brought a band. We got a lot of people out. And that opened the door to more activity in the branch and our teaching pools got so much bigger. Uh, when I was on social media, I'm not on social media anymore um, for reasons um, anyway, um, but uh, I could see that the, the branch was still going really strong. And when I visited, the branch was probably about 35, 40 people um, strong um, now, uh, 15 years later. That's, so That's incredible. So... <clears throat> We began teaching this uh, girl. So, so that that was a picture of the, the branch activity, and there was one of them. Um, so, a lot of people were coming. I'm going to talk to talk about Ann Curry in a little bit, but uh, that's one of the activities that she was able to attend. Um, let's see. This is Isle of Butte. When we uh, got to go visit out there, there was a family that we were teaching to try and get uh, sealed in the temple. Um, this is uh, the Cox family. She uh, was part Filipino, and I think at the time her son, when we visited last, her son was preparing to go on our mission. So I need to follow up and make sure that he uh, was able to go. Hmm. Um, So Sister Rooney, I'm going to talk about her in a little bit. But uh, we started teaching this girl. Her name was Zoe McDermott, and she was the niece of Brian Hearn. And she was 
another person that probably struggled uh, intellectually uh, at nine years old. We had she couldn't really read, so we had to kind of change the way that we taught. Um, and it was such an amazing opportunity to practice something diff- doing something completely different than what you're used to. And it got me out of my, my comfort zone. And uh, that was the, our only baptism in seven and a half months in Greenock. But the word was flourishing. Um, let's go back mm. here. Um, our branch president, like I said, he, he lived in Danoon. We rely, he relied on Stephen and I and Jeffrey um, to go visit the members of the branch. We started visiting and giving the sacrament to Ann Curry. That was homebound due to health reasons. So like this is one moment where she was able to get out of the house. She was a small yet very faithful sister. I received letters from her sister in America um, saying how much Anne loved having us over. I guess for some reason there were people that uh, the ward hadn't visited her in a long time. She was very lonely and needed someone to bring light into her life. That same sister that found uh, me on, on Facebook and thanked me again and said that um, she had passed away, but she was so grateful for what we had done to help her um, interact with her, to help her receive that uh, ordinance at each Sunday. Um, one of the greatest miracles in Greenock Ranch was Sister Rooney. This is her. <laughs> she makes me laugh. Um, she was so kind, and, and you just could feel how much she loved the gospel and wanted to share it with others. Greenock was pretty hilly. Sister Rooney would hike those hills as if she was half of her age. And she would share that her testimony to pretty much anyone. We started teaching her niece's family. They were really fun to teach, and the husband would show would show up um, early mornings uh, t- to those lessons. Uh, we had early morning lessons with to hope that like this her husband wasn't drunk, but he would be already steaming, and he would say the craziest things. Um, anytime is a good time to drink in Scotland, right? Um, I I was praying and working really hard to teach that family. I felt like Sister Rooney's niece truly felt the gospel, the Holy Ghost lack the commitment to proceed to, the, to baptism. Sister Rooney would have loved to have family at church, um, but she worked so hard and I met her. She, uh, again, when we went and visited that branch and she, uh, she just brought so many good memories when I visited that branch. It was such amazing experience. So, like I said, I tell everyone that Greenock was one of my toughest areas because of how much we were putting into finding, teaching, reaching out to active members and less active members. I felt so beat up at night, but this was a turning point for me though. One Sunday it was a branch conference and president Yates. I don't know if you met him at when he was a state president or, and uh, him and other state auxiliary presidencies came to visit. Um, Side note, uh, to kind of help your listeners that aren't used to what the church is like in Scotland. Many of the wards and branches in Scotland have sacrament meetings last. Um, so President Yates during sacrament meeting handed me a note that said something like this. Look at how many are, man, I'm a blubbering idiot. Look at how many are in attendance today. Thank you. For yours and other Scots' hard work, 
And that Sunday we had maybe 25 to 30 in attendance outside of the present Yates and in the auxiliaries that lifted me so much at that point, I knew that I could overcome all my challenges. And, and I knew that I, I was always doing it with the Savior's help. Um, later on, I, I kind of had some bouts of um, unemployment and um, with the um, infertility issues. I really gleaned on this experience in Greenick to help me to overcome and, and stay strong and endure. So I was there for seven and a half months and it was a great experience. At the latter end of serving in Greenick, we received permission to go on a road trip. Uh, I think it's this, this picture. We were able to go on a road trip with the uh, uh, branch president. And uh, we went to the Argyle area portion of the highlands, which is the southern southwestern portion. They took us to Inverary and went to uh, uh, an infamous jail there. So it was really cool. Hmm. Uh, I think they have this on a lot of like TV shows. Excuse me. Um, but my member shout out for this is the Canes, Stephen and Loriana Cox, the Thompsons, Brian and Maggie Heron, the Bowies, Sarah Rudy, and Curry and Sister Murray. They, I worked with them so much. Um, so after Greenick, let's see, I went to Kirkati. And uh, it's a very strong ward and a really fun place to serve. Um, this area covered a lot of the southwestern portion of Fife that included towns like Glenrothes, Leven, East Weems, Dysart, Burt Island, and so on. My companion was Elder Stephen Stepp from West Jordan, Utah. He was full of surprises. I didn't realize how much he liked to sing until he belted out the theme song to Phineas and Ferb. I was, I was taken aback. <laughs> I had never heard anything like this because it came out when I was on my mission. Um, and then he would uh, make, so make scriptures into songs to help him memorize. Um, and it didn't matter where he was at. He would be singing it out loud on the bus and our train and the flat. So it was crazy. Um, <laughs> so early on in the mission, I had a dream that I would serve with Elder Sam Little. Um, but at that point, he had already completed his mission. And when I got to Kirkati, uh, that being said, he dated and married uh, Shona Letkin. And Kirkati, this is Shona right here. Um, and let's see. Um, and they started dating and then they got married. And we were present for the wedding. Um, well, either before or after the wedding, he was called to be the ward mission leader. So I guess my dream came to fruition. And uh, I told him about it and it kind of like uh, gelled. We gelled a little bit and... He, he was a funny person to be around. <clears throat> uh, Stephen was a really new missionary. I think he had been out maybe one transfer or two transfers. Um, and I had to take a different approach with him that I did with my other greenies. So I gave him a lot of control of the area. I gave him empowerment to go and, and give him the ability to speak his mind, um, let him be heard. Um, I think he needed that so much because there, it was easy to get bulldozed because there was a lot of 
um, like very strong a type personalities in the mission. And so for someone like him, he's a, he's a special person to me. And I feel like he needed a lot of growing and this allowed him to grow. Uh, one day we probably on our way to an appointment in one of our harsher areas in Kirkati, as we're walking down this neighborhood, we saw a group of people carrying on outside. Well, this blonde lady stammered her way over to us. We knew she was drunk because the smell was so powerful. She starts to tell us, <laughs> I'm going to do my best uh, uh, Scottish action. I know use. I want to be baptized. Will you baptize me? Kind of like all drunk. And I'm like, uh, sure. So I gave her a, a pass long card with our number, um, knowing that she probably wouldn't call. Uh, cause it was kind of a weird situation. We had this group of people around and like, anyway, we didn't hear from her for maybe about a week later until we were back in that area. She saw us on the street again and came running to us. She was a completely different person. She told us her name was Lizzie Souter and that she wanted to still be baptized and that she needed to make a change in her life because she had a son and, and that she was seeing what her choices, how it was affecting her and her family. We set up a, a time and started her plan to quit smoking and drinking. We um, set up the baptism uh, or invited her to baptism, sure. um, but she couldn't uh, help the type of things that she was nurtured with. So it, it kind of like very hard to help her uh, overcome some of the, her challenges. But so sure, she and her son, John, were later baptized. Um, but uh, crazy story with her. That's Lizzie and that's John. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so uh, for Lizzie's baptism, she asked me to baptize her. But the, <laughs> there are just some things that you don't think about as a missionary trying to tell a girl to be ready for baptism, like the formalities. Uh, well, the ceremony went great. She got in the thought and um, everything went good. But as I led to the leader to the edge to, uh, to go upstairs, I noticed something wasn't quite right. And with what I was seeing um, as Lizzie started to head up the stairs of the thought, I completely forgot about what happens to white clothes when it's wet. So, oops, she was about halfway up the stairs, and in plain view to the viewers of the baptism, you can clearly see that she was wearing a black bra and thong. I was, I was so shocked. I probably said, "Oh crap!" out loud, um, just right after a baptism. And uh, so I quickly run up behind her to block the view, and I think those that were. Uh, um, also, I think those were her only underwear. So she had to wear her wet underwear underneath her, her dry clothes. And she was telling us about it and like, just kind of like squishing it. Anyway, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> ever since that, I always remembered to tell everyone to wear something that will not be see-through or whatever. Um, <laughs> and bring a change. Yeah. Bring, bring extra. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, some things that you don't necessarily want to see as a young missionary. Um, mm -hmm. So 
And about that time, President Frederick was finishing his mission. And then we would receive President Griffiths as our new mission, mission president. Um, president Frederick, I, there's not, you could say so much about, he could probably write a book about his life. And he, he I think he is uh, not like just his life, but his family, his history. And if you put his stuff, I, I could probably read that all day. Um, so anyway, President Griffiths was great. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time with him. And uh, there are a few of the things that he carried over from President Frederick, like the agency, um, trying to make sure that we are all agents of our own selves. Um, and then Sister Griffiths kind of took up that same mantle of trying to make sure that we were healthy. Uh, I don't know if this was a big thing from Sister Frederick, but she tried. She made us always made sure that we were taking vitamins, like garlic and vitamin D. There was a lot of like um, seasonal effectiveness uh, disorder Dep or something like that. Depression. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. So. Yep. That she was telling us we need to take that. And those that weren't taking it, you could see that they were having a, a rough time of it. So she wasn't crazy. I wish Sister Vreens would have told us that. That would have been very helpful for me. I right. know that. <laughs> see, <laughs> I'm from Arizona and I love the rain. And I guess when you're deprived of it, you really enjoy it. And so, and I was really prepared for Scotland. Um, I knew that brolies and umbre like umbrellas were not going to work. Um, so you need to find a good coat <clears throat> um, and a solid flat cap. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I forgot a story, but now that we're talking about coats, um, remember how I talked about Juan Zapata? He got, he bought all my clothes. Um, well, he bought the jacket for me at this place called Pomeroy's. This is, it's like the missionary mall or Mr. Mac or something like that in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it didn't fit me all that well. It was a little big and I, I didn't like it. And so I bought myself a new coat. Um, and it was that, uh, Pico, that very nice tweed and, uh, Elder O'Donoghue, I, I love him so much that I wanted him to make sure that he had a good coat and his coat was so tattered. So I gave him mine and, um, Every time I saw him, I was so glad to see that he was wearing my coat. And because it, he was always cold, um, always wet, he had holes in his jacket. And so he was a good person. I, I really hope that um, things are going well for him. Hmm. Um, so back to Kirkati. Um, there was this dynamic, and I, I hated it, between the bishop and the missionaries. There were a lot of animosity sometimes when you go to a new area and there you hear about these stories of like oh the bishop doesn't really like us um and anyway there was this moment with bishop sharf um he was really struggling with missionaries not bringing in a lot of quality members and it both ideologies were having bad attitudes about missionary work um so, and I, I don't think he had missionaries at his house for a really long time. Um, so I, I just remember serving in the branch, like how hard it is to be caught in that, that world, the two worlds. And I just remember in a ward council meeting, I piped up and I was like, Bishop, 
I know that you're working really hard. We're working really hard. What key indicators can I help you with? What can we do to contribute to the ward that would bless the ward? Um, I think that softened his heart. And um, he later would let us come to his home. And we started, and and, sorry, um, he fed us dinner. his, His wife made the best like lamb crown. And that's like a really fancy meal. Had the mint sauce and everything like that. It was like Easter. I can't remember, but um, mm. just amazing dinner. But I, I saw this division kind of lifting between the members of the ward and the missionary work. Um, I wasn't there very long, three months. Um, but it just, it broke my heart to see like missionaries say things like, oh, I'm not afraid to offend anyone in the ward. Or I, I'm not here to make friends. Sure, we're, we're doing this work, but we are doing this together. I hated that so much. Um, so anyway, um, to kind of lighten the mood, I've got this really funny story. But um, we volunteered over at the Luckins um, to go trim their bushes. After all the work was completed, they don't have trucks, right? So they... we. You have to open the hatchback and put it all in the boot, the trimmings. So we put it all, put all the trimmings in the boot, um, close the hatchback. We kind of stepped away for a little bit. And then we were like, okay, we got to take this to the dump. Um, anyway, so we get back into the car and all of a sudden we notice barely after we start driving, there's something moving in the car, like little bits, like little insects crawling in the car. They weren't insects. They were spiders. It was something out of like an arachnid um, uh, apocalypse. There were like 30 spiders crawling in their car. We didn't make it to the dump. I think we just found like a park and just pulled everything out and tried to shake ourselves off and just try to put like find any type of spider and squash it. And uh, it was nuts. Oh my goodness. They were in our hair. They were in. uh, what's her name? Shona Little's hair, and it's just the ickiness that it feels like crawling up your neck and in your shirt. It's just cr- crazy. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. Anyway, so um, traveling through Fife is a bit different from other places in Scotland. Uh, there's a lot of picturesque places in Scotland, like hills and and water. Well, in Fife, uh, there's a lot of like barley fields and sitting on like double decker buses on the top you could watch the the barley when it's getting close to um harvest them for the whiskey um you could see the wind as it like blows it looks like waves um and it's really fun to to ride on the double decker bus there because it's it's like this rolling hills and something i don't know if anyone's talked about this but every single town and i'm not used to this because not, I didn't ever live in the UK before, but every town has a war memorial. And there's a lot of little towns as you go into Fife, and you can see each, each individual war memorial. Um, I, I'm very patriotic, and I love my history in Scotland. I love the history in the U- US. And I, I love to look at all those war memorials. And it, it brought a lot of like uh, um, honor and, and love 
for the military. Um, I didn't mention this before, but I had a uh, great, great uncle that served in World War II with the Gordon Highlanders um, in Burma. And he was in uh, some POW camps, um, which were pretty harsh. He later on moved to New Zealand um, and uh, started his life out there afterwards. Anyway, um, some things that I did with members in the ward, especially like uh, on this one picture I have, um, this is Jackie Johnston. We, this might be actual the, the actual day that I did this. Uh, I love to make dinner for the members um, because I felt like the members fed us a lot um, I, and I would treat them to Mexican dinner. Um, Scotland Mexican food is horrible. Um, and, I, and I'll even say that Utah Mexican food is horrible too. I lived in Utah <laughs> for six years and I did not have one good Mexican food there. And you cannot say that, uh, what's it called? Costa Vida or Cafe Rio is Mexican. Anyway, so... <laughs> What I would do is I'd make these Mexican dinners. I make either tacos or burritos for uh, different members of the, of the wards. Um, and this is one of the instances where I did, and this is Jackie and her little brother. Um, and we made burritos and they loved it so much. Um, and I, I just felt like members were working hard and they weren't being recognized as much. And I wanted them to feel like, I knew that they were making a huge effort. The Lord loved them and he knew what they were doing. Um, so um, kind of the last story of Krakati, uh, while serving Krakati, Elder Bednar uh, came and visited the mission. And one thing that President Frederick talked about when I visited him, his love for Elder Bednar, he did the same thing with that um, uh, list of, different talks from Elder, President Nelson. He did the same thing with Elder Bednar. And I talked to him about this, like he wished he would have been able to stay for Elder Bednar. Um, and this was way different from Elder Holland. He instructed us for about maybe 15, 20 minutes and then held a question and answer session. Um, his topic of choice was about the atonement of Jesus Christ and how infinite it is. He emphasized a key point that in the Garden of Gethsemane, during the intercessory prayer, Jesus could see in a very minute moment and could feel our pains, sins, sorrows, and every burden we would feel in our lifetime. So what that meant is that Elder Bednar believed that in that whatever small moment he could see our face and he could feel the pains, the sicknesses, weaknesses, just so that he can know how to succor us have provide healing and provide mercy. And, and he talks about this in one of his books and uh, um, I want to get that book. And I know that this is true, that Jesus Christ and whatever expanse of his ability and omnipotence, he could know who we are, especially in that garden of Gethsemane. Um, so one thing that I got to do was I was able to ask him a question and on how he knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ was true. He explained that there wasn't this one moment, but a series of faith-building moments that reassured him that the gospel is true. I felt the same way. I never had this like moment of like, oh, this clarity. It's all, it's just this building blocks kept on building. Um, there was so much enlightenment in that meeting. Uh, I, 
I want to be so much better and I hope eventually, I know that eventually I'll be where I need to be, but man, there's so many things I learned from my mission, especially moments like this. So some of the member shout outs that I have are the Binnies, the Browns who later became a mission president of Scotland, mm. um, the Lutkins, the Johnstons, the Sharfs and the Maitlands. So you might want to try and look up uh, the Browns um, and ask I've him sent about them a, I've sent them an email because I served, I served in Glenrothes for nine months. So nice. wow. I know them pretty well. Also. I thought I was there for a long, uh, in one area for a long time, but nine months. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So kind of what I was saying, um, this is kind of the latter part of my mission. Uh, so I got a moves call and I'm thinking, well, I only have six weeks, so I'm probably going to stay. And uh, I was so shocked again that I was going to be leaving Kirkati to go to Alawa. Um, and I am so grateful that I got to be in Alawa. It was such a cool place. Um, my companion was, oh, sorry. Um, let me make sure that I'm on track. So my companion was Craig Jeffries. He's from Hartlepool, England, um, kind of the Northeast part of England, uh, on its way to Newcastle. So I don't know if he was Geordie, like he spoke Geordie or not. He's pretty, uh, well-spoken for himself. Um, I love Craig Jeffries so much. I wish I would have had more time with him. He was very cool-headed and wanted to learn a lot. Uh, to me, the Alawa Ward was so similar to the Bingham Ward. I felt right at home. There was so much historical significance there, too, um, for me and serving in Alawa. As a kid, I had all these books. Like, I could show you. Like, we had Urwilly books. Um, nice. Um, <laughs> we had all these books about Bonnie Prince Charlie. I had um, tea towels from my grandmother. Um, just I learned a ton about Scotland and uh, knew how to say Edinburgh um, and <laughs> other places. Unlike um, us other uncultured yeah. Americans. <laughs> right. The only guest we've had so far. Who, right. <laughs> That's right. Because, I mean, at a young age, my grandmother would get, be so mad if we said Edinburgh. And then, uh, anyway, so it's just it's kind of funny. Um, so, uh, with Alawa geographically, it's on like the let's let's see if I can pull it up. Um, so you got Sterling right here, and you got the Fourth River that comes through. It's such a cool river. Um, Alawa's right here, and our area covered this portion of. Uh, Alawa, Tilipati, Tilikutri, Dollar. Um, anyway, so I was the district leader for my last six weeks. Um, and I loved serving there. I loved being a part of Falkirk and Sterling, Sterlingshire, Clackbannonshire. Um, it's just very picturesque. Um, it was October. The, the leaves were changing colors, um, very drastic landscapes. And I, like I said, the River Forth winds through and it's very dramatic. Um, what you think you would see on like Outlander or something like that. Um, not that I've watched that show. <laughs> uh, I like that you had to, had to make sure that that was clarified. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
Sterling Castle was amazing. When I talk about Sterling, I always bring that up with my son. And he says, that's my castle because that's his name. Um, and then we talk about, hey, would you want to go with me to Scotland? He's like, he'd always say yes. And I'm going to take you here. I'm going to take you there. And he always says, oh, I want to go to Sterling Castle and go to the Wallace Monument and then, then Sterling Bridge. Um, anyway, uh, since this was my last move, I wanted to make it special. Uh, so I had district meeting at the Wallace Monument. It's kind of that highest peak in that uh, valley. Um, and of all places where we had one of the biggest battles in Scotland that they won. Um, it, I don't know if you've seen Braveheart, they talk about it, Sterling, the Battle of Sterling is on this field. It didn't happen there, it was on a bridge. Um, so the English army had uh, huge um, cavalry and very mounted horse, part of their military was mounted. Um, and a lot of the Scottish were filled artillery, or filled the um, not artillery. Um, they they just were walking soldiers anyway. So they positioned themselves in front of the, the castle or on the other side to prevent the English from reaching the castle um, by being on the bridge. And since cavalry doesn't move very well on the bridge, they were able to take their shiltrons and their spears would kill all the horses and they defeated them on that bridge. Um, they yeah. lost so many people that the English had to, to retreat anyway. So that's, that's whenever you go to Sterling, uh, I would take a trip to that bridge and just kind of read up about that. Um, it's really cool. So we had a district meeting up there and just like the mission, uh, we had our dedications. I had a dedication to this move and wanted to make sure that we did really well um, finish out strong. Um, and so it was a really cool moment and, uh, always remember that. Uh, so Craig and I were teaching a family named the Glens. They were a lot of fun to teach right here. He looks like, uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Give him the hat. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah. we worked really hard to invite the father uh, to be baptized, but he didn't want to. But the mom and Anita and Araminta, we call her Minty, they got baptized. The son wasn't having anything with it, but uh, either we kept teaching them um, until I left to go home. And we also did a uh, burrito night with them, but they were vegetarian. So we had to use that corn. It's like a mushroom based meat. <laughs> and it still was pretty good, but definitely not the way that I would do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway so they got baptized it was pretty cool um and then they took us on a trip to dune castle um because i guess they loved us there's the bridge oh man i don't have the picture uh anyway dune castle is pretty famous um you've heard of monty python the holy grail well that's where they filmed the taunting frenchman where they were hassling the king, castling King Arthur and launching the farm animals. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we got there, they were also filming a little show show called Game of Thrones. Um, oh yeah, little. So yeah, mm -hmm. so we were told not to take pictures of the cast or the set, and I may or may not have heeded that request. So I've got some pictures of characters. Uh, <laughs> they had a tent outside, 
and where they were all eating lunch and everything like that. We got to go in some places. They had the original coconuts from Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> so of course I uh, reenacted that. Um, but then later on they used it for Outlander as well. Hmm. Um, we did a lot of service projects in Alawa. So I remember one of them was we uh, were helping Sister Watson. Her husband was the Edinburgh state president at one point um, until he was released and President Freed became the state president. And it was a Victorian restoration. We completed a couple projects like uh, fixing the hearth and uh, of a fireplace and then dug post holes in the backyard fences. Um, we drove by it when we came back and it, it looked really good. Uh, I don't know if they still own it. So it wasn't going to go chop on their door and be like, Hey, sister Watson. And then realize it was someone else. Hmm. So anyway, um, Craig and I also Craig Jeffries and I also visited brother John Wilkinson's paint studio out in, I think Tula Kutri, um, to teach us how to paint. Um, and afterwards he brought us home. He was Scottish, but he made us an African traditional bean soup. And he cut the loaf of bread that he got from bakery and dug out the, the center and put the bean soup in it. And we kind of ate it as like a bread bowl. Um, I did that. I took that and I did that one, one of my dates with my wife. Um, <laughs> so she thought that was funny um, or weird. I can't remember, but um, <laughs> what, one of the most uh, significant things I remember during this move was doing baptismal interviews. And uh, the first one in that area, I was interviewing one of the Sterling Elders investigator. Um, so this is kind of significant for me um, because it, it kind of told me, taught me what not to do. So and she answered one of the questions that would require her to meet with the mission president. Uh, I made the mistake of not referring her to the mission president right away. And it ate at me. I read the procedures over and over in my head. Um, and maybe a couple of days later, I called President Griffiths and I advised him what had happened. He counseled me and said everything will be okay um, and that I need to learn from my mistake. Um, I don't think that girl got baptized, unfortunately, because she needed to go talk to the mission president. And I don't know if that ever happened. There were other interviews after that where I, I had to make hard decisions. Um, I was reading my journal. Like this one guy admitted that he was smoking still. Um, and he, I, I had to be like, it was really tough and I feel for bishops and I feel for mission presidents. I have to say like, we, let's take this back a little. Um, so, I, and I had to say the investigators were not ready, um, very hard. Um, but I felt whole after making that decision and, and I never let that hit at me ever again. Um, one thing that I learned as I became a better missionary um, with members. I incorporated a tactic to hold great conversation with members in the ward during dinners. Um, throughout my weekly study, I'd be preparing for these dinners and, and I would think of questions to come up on a doctrinal basis for the families and kind of see what would happen and just listen. And I wouldn't interject. I would just let them teach me. Uh, one of my favorite moments doing this was when we went to President Freed's house for dinner. Um, do I have a picture of the Freeds? Yeah. It's, like I said, my camera is horrible, but that's President Freed and his wife and his kids. Um, so I sincerely wanted an answer to this one question. It was from Doctrine and Covenant 62.3. 
about the testimony which we have borne will be recorded in heaven and your sins are forgiven you. And I asked uh, President Freed, how is this even possible that to bear your testimony, we can be forgiven? We had a great discussion about the purifying power of the Holy Ghost and that during the bearing of our testimonies, the spirit can be present and all can be purified through his presence. So just amazing experiences trying to do this, um, trying to let others teach me. It, it was so humbling to be able to have a lot of those experiences with many members to, to be taught as opposed to being the one teaching all the time. Um, as my mission was coming to a close, I felt so much love from the Lord and from the people I served in Scotland. There really is no mission like ours. Um, I talked to my siblings and I talked to my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and their mission's so different. And I felt a lot of it had to do with President Frederick. A lot of it had to do with how we as missionaries were trying very hard. And I know Jack Bryce, you didn't serve with President Frederick, but I know that same applies. Like our mission is so different. Um, we talked about in other podcasts, you talked about how Scotland is very harsh. There's, I, I think of it as like dilutant juice. There's so much concentration of evil there. Um, and it's hard. The members are so strong and you, you have to give them so much credit because there is so much evil there. And um, I know that our mission is so different. Um, I was so uncertain about my future when I got home. The mission made so much sense, even though there were rules and boundaries, it felt safe and reassuring. So those are just words I had in my journal. And uh, um, I know that the gospel is true. I know that what we are we did as missionaries were true. And if you ever have questions about whether you served enough or you worked hard enough, I think we all need to reread the imperfect harvest from this last conference. My wife brought that up to me. I missed it. I was on travel. I was traveling to Alabama for work and I missed that talk, but he talks about how no one on earth has the ability to do what Jesus does, and he makes everything right. And whatever harvest that you give is enough for the Lord because he makes, he finishes it. So um, I, I bear my testimony that I know that what we did is true. And as members of the church, we follow Jesus Christ. And I know that Joseph Smith uh, is that prophet that helped restore the church to the earth, and that we wouldn't be able to do this without the Book of Mormon. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Um, I don't amen. know if you guys have any more questions. There's, there's no need for questions, Evan. This, this was amazing. <laughs> You're easily the most prepared for this, uh, for this podcast. I have to give you some serious props. With You know, when I talked to President Frederick about this, I listened to Matt Fissler. And I listened to Chad Bauckham and, and Zach Clark, and I couldn't sleep. I, was, I stayed up till one o'clock in the morning, 
and I was on business travel and I needed to be at work the next day. And I, I was just thinking, how would I do this? What, how can I share my experience? And I, this is how I had, I, I couldn't do it any other way. I had to stop listening because I didn't want to like say different, say the same stories and like be worried about myself anyway. But awesome. I just love, I love the mission. I love the people that I served with. Uh, I know I probably rubbed the pe- rub people the wrong way, um, but I loved every bit of it. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I have uh, had. So, yeah, I think the one thing that's, really um therapeutic about this podcast is is an opportunity to share your story and there's no need to apologize to people for being uh, un uh, unapologetically you mm-hmm. and and now that people have heard your background you know having your great grandparents and great aunts and uncles and you know just the heritage coming mm-hmm. from Scotland like if i had that there's no way that I would have thought otherwise about how incredibly special the Scotland Edinburgh mission is. Yeah. So honestly, like if anybody has questions, please see, please reach out to Evan. We'll put you in contact with him because my goodness, like just the way that you you portrayed it was so perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, You've, you've testified well, you've brought up fun memories, but also, the amazing challenges that helped you grow. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us think highly about our missions and think about, well, who did we teach or who did we impact without often thinking about who impacted us? Mm-hmm. And you articulated it so, so well that there were instances where you'd sit down and you would get to be taught by these great men and women that we had the privilege of interacting with in Scotland. And uh, so I, I have to, I'm going to just give you, I'm going to bow down to you because I don't know if this is a, this is a high bar for anybody mm-hmm. else coming on the podcast by, by no means is this an expectation, but Evan, yeah. thank you so much for the way in which you presented your mission and shared it. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, thank you Evan. so much. I, I truly am humbled. I'm grateful to at least share um, and I'm, I'm grateful that you guys are doing this. Um, I don't know any mission that's doing it myself. So I was on another business trip and I bumped into two sisters um, that were coming home from like Bolivia. And I was just talking about my mission. I was like, Hey, I'm actually going to be doing this podcast. And they're like podcast. Maybe we should do something like that. I was like, Oh yeah. Like here's, here's the podcast. Go listen to it. So just, you guys are reaching out. So no, I, we appreciate that. It's, it's been a true labor of love. I mean, and think about it generally, generationally, like Jack went home a year and a half, almost two years before you got into the mission. Mm -hmm. I got, I went home, you know, 11 months before you got there, but nonetheless, like we're sitting here having a conversation about a place that we love. Mm-hmm. And and the people that are the commonality for most of us right. as we've served in similar places and we've interacted with those incredible people there that, like you said, they are the water in the hev- heavy evil of the mm-hmm. diluted um, Scotland. Um, 
I mean, it, it is. It's a really tough mission. And but mm-hmm. more than anything, like there is always good amongst the the tough. And right. So you know, yeah, I I I'm at a loss for words because you just you, you knocked it out of the park, Evan. So thank you thank so you. much for coming on. And we we want to express our love to you as our brother mm-hmm. in the Scotland Edinburgh mission. This is just a huge part of why we wanted to do this is because it's bringing us together. There's more conversations being had amongst missionaries and their companions than has been had in the last 20, (laughs) 20 some odd years for a lot of us. (laughs) And, you know, that's an incredibly, incredibly important part of the camaraderie that we have. Like we're forever Mm -hmm. connected by the opportunity that we, we chose to go and serve the Lord. And we were just fortunate enough to do it in Scotland. So <laughs> thank you again, Evan. We love you and uh, we will appreciate it. Th- say good night and we will certainly be in touch more. All right. All right. Cheerio. All right. Cheerio.